What a joy uh, it is to be with you this afternoon. My heart resonates uh, with your heart in this room for missions. I would say I love missions. I also love what Mark Tatlock is doing with TMAI. His leadership fuels my involvement here, obviously. In that sense, it fuels all of our involvement here. And he asked me to address the subject of the role of the pastor in shaping missions strategy. And I do so from a joyous heart for missions and out of great respect for Mark as well. And so I wanted to tell you just a little bit of my story just in our time here. I look at this session, let me be really clear, as a, as a testimony to you. This is not a biblical defense of missions. That is not what Mark asked me uh, to do, but this is just an example of what a church is attempting to do, namely the church that I pastor at called Grace Church of the Valley. It is a testimony of what I am attempting to do in the flock that I shepherd. Certainly just for a few moments this morning, I'm addressing those of you who are pastors, whatever way we want to title that, lead pastor or senior pastor. Certainly there's some of you who are missions pastors here, elders, lay elders, and uh, so forth, and just lay leaders, missionaries at large. And my goal really here is to encourage you to build a vibrant, principled, centered uh, mission strategy and a vision for your local church. My desire, let me be upfront, is to emphasize the role of the lead pastor so that you would biblically articulate to church leaders as well as your congregation to better understand the role of a local church in realizing the Great Commission. So I think I've got a number of you in mind, but I'll probably speak most directly to those of you who are pastors. I mean, obviously this subject here today is is a subject that every pastor has a has a God-given mandate and responsibility to be leading the charge and at the forefront of what we've already heard, making disciples of all nations. You have a biblical mandate to do that from Jesus. We've heard that today. And we are, certainly as a lead pastor, to preach and teach the whole counsel of God. But the problem is, and I'm admitting that, is too often... As pastors, I'm including myself in that, we become disengaged and maybe at times even disinterested in leading the charge of this most important biblical task. Often the subject of missions is passed off. We pass it off to a committee of a few. I think that's very easy to do that. Often this subject is passed off to a youth pastor. may even be passed off to a staff elder. It may be passed off to one elder who has a heart for missions. Or maybe it's just passed off to that nebulous other group of people who do their own thing. And all of these are certainly not wrong in and of themselves. And so at times the church seems and our subject here to limp along and there's little focus on missions and little resources provided at times for missions and little said on the subject of missions and the church can become anemic. 
At times it can lack a heart that we see manifested in the character of God and certainly in his son as revealed in the scripture. Man, I guess I would just say openly to you when the lead pastor or the senior pastor fails to prioritize this sacred task, the fallout in a church is just tremendous. Tremendous. And if you're a pastor here and you're part of the missions team at your church, we have a very noble task given to us. But when we don't assume that and when we don't lead in that, there's a tremendous fallout. Congregations lack vision. They lack it globally. They certainly lack it at that point locally. They become very content, if you will, with the six or the eight or maybe even the 10% given and maybe just a prayer card that goes on a refrigerator. Missionary support and care at that point becomes very weak. Doctrinal clarity without our involvement becomes weak. And as a result of that, at times, missionaries can lack clarity. It creates missions drift, missionaries with little focus, and it results in churches not being strengthened, and it results as well in in teams that don't strengthen those missionaries. And what I want to do just for a moment is just tell you a little bit about what we're doing. We certainly haven't arrived at our, at the church I pastored to affect, uh, the change in that previous description. And, and what I'm going to share with you today, I'll just say it is going to be very personal, uh, for me. I will be sharing a little bit of my life and a little bit of my heart for missions in the next few minutes. I, I do want to just convey this to you men that in no way Am I saying that we have arrived at our church in missions? Um, in fact, often what I'm going to present here is born out of what we needed to do and what we needed to develop. So I really hope to kind of just speak to you, those of you who are leaders, what do you need to do and what do you need to develop? In no way do I believe that our church is a model of ministry in this room. Far from it. In fact, it would be very honest for me to say there's a number of you men who can come up here and step in this pulpit and tell us what you're doing at your church. And it may even be at a far greater level than where we are in our church. So I just want you to know that I'm just sharing my heart with you, sharing my testimony with you a little bit, sharing a little bit about the role that I had to change in my own heart. Let me just set a context for you. Our church is just eight years old. We're up in the, in the central Calif- central Valley of California, just right below Fresno in that Visalia, Fresno area, just eight years old. We have a church of about 500 people. And I just said that, that you know, this is not some mega church that counts the kids. We have five staff. We're presently looking for a Spanish pastor. We have six elders. And, and so this is just where we are and what we're attempting to do. And I want to tell you just a little bit about that and what I needed to do. And frankly, man, I'm just going to say it this way. The areas where I needed to repent, Okay, so it'd be, you know, if you think I'm getting up here and I think we got this thing down. No, we don't have this down. And I want you to know that where the Lord took me is, is, is an area just in the recent years. By the way, I've only been there four years. It's an area that I just had to pray 
to the Lord on. In fact, just to step back just for a moment, I really believe in a very unique way the Lord called me to the ministry. I can still remember it. You know how the Lord just works in unique ways. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was very distinct to me because I had been in prayer and I was 1983 and I was on a, a basketball team that was reaching out in the Philippines, all over the Philippines. And I just really had on my heart, just Lord, do you want me to go in full time? ministry. And I'd been praying this all summer and through a series of circumstance, that impression was just born very strongly on my heart. What was unique is at that time, I was about 20 or 21, I had a very strong sense in my own heart to train pastors. And so as I came back from that trip, I just lived up by Santa Clarita. I went to the master's college. I was on a basketball scholarship there. It worked great because the Lord had just worked into my heart and said, you know, move towards this way. You know, not telling me, you understand the impression you get. If any man aspires to the office of an overseer, it's a great work that he desires to do. And I came back and I was clear on that, men, clear both on my training and clear both in my heart to train pastors. And so I came back, I went to TMC, I started studying Greek and had a wonderful time there. And then I went straight from there to TMS. Uh, No no reason to take a break in in my sense. I didn't need to take a year off, a gap year. I was just fired up to serve the Lord. So I went right from the college and went to TMS, graduated there. Probably when I was about 25, I became the college pastor at Grace Community Church. And I just had a passion for his word and had a passion for training men. But very quickly, what happened in my life, men, is the Lord took me at that point. I accepted a call to go to a church in Chicago, right at, well, it was right there basically in Wheaton, lived right down the street from Wheaton College, and I was there for about nine years. And I love that ministry. I love the people. I was preaching God's word. But I'm just telling you, I just got too busy. And I got too busy, if you understand what I mean, just being a pastor, The church began to grow. We began to add staff. It began to lead to more sermons. I was preaching Sunday morning, preaching Sunday night. I was counseling. I was leading. And my involvement in missions began just to lower with every passing year. So how did it happen? Well, it just happens very subtly and it happens over time. In other words, you get into a church, you want to lead in this area, but then the church and the needs and the, and the desires to help overtake what in my case was part of my heart. And part of my calling, and then the Lord called me at that point to come back to Southern California, and I wanted to readjust my priorities, and I came back to Southern California to a growing, vibrant church. And before I knew it, then I, I was preaching four times on the Lord's Day. You know, it's, it's, it was a very small building, okay? But I was preaching four times, three in the morning and one at night. And, you know, when you start to put out that kind of energy, and that was a different message from the morning to a different message at the evening. We were training guys from the master's seminary. I loved it. But what happened then is at that point I began to delegate missions again to another man and to another committee. And uh, I was involved in missions, but mostly from an outside role. I was passively involved. And then I became disengaged. I was interested, but I had no time to support missions. 
and very little time to train pastors overseas. And now I got a problem there because I have a passion to do that. Uh, You say, well, where's that come from? I, I think, you know, the spirit of God does that in your heart. And I knew when he was calling me to ministry that he put inside my heart a passion to train men even overseas. And so now I've got a dilemma. I'm preaching. I'm fulfilling part of my call. But now, once again, I've delegated that to a group of people. I was too busy. Okay? I don't know if this is going to help you men, but as much as I had a heart for it, I was probably working about 70 hours a week, both at the church and at the master seminary in the preaching department. And I'll tell you, that's a recipe for disaster on your health. Okay, number one, but it's also a catastrophe on your calling and your passion. And I'm just telling you, man, I'm admitting to you, I was wrong. I was neglecting an aspect of my calling and I lost part of the joy, how how God actually wired me. And then the scriptures mandate to make disciples of all nations. You say, well, what happened? Well, in God's providential grace. He moved me up north. He took me to Kingsburg, California, in central California. And there was a few things I wanted to change. And the first thing I did, men, and this is why this is so personal, is I repented. I repented because I felt like the Lord had endowed me with a stewardship that I wasn't using. He had endowed me with a stewardship from all the men that had put their arms around me and from all the academic institutions that I had been in. And I had this passion in some way I didn't it it wasn't connecting. And so I had to repent. I'm telling you that in the area of missions. And I decided that I would no longer by the spirit of God give missions away. I wasn't going to give it away to committees. I wasn't going to give it away to other pastors. I wasn't going to give it to another, you know, elder. And so I made a key decision. Are you ready for this? Now, you know, this might not be too revolutionary for you. Okay. I decided then and there that I was leading the missions team. I just made a decision. I said, you know, Scott, why don't you do this? Why don't you not hand this off? In other words, I know that that can't always be done at a larger church, and some churches have missions pastors. However, I'm telling you, men, I still think we give too much away. And by the way, let me even back up when I said I decided to lead the missions team. We had no missions team. We didn't have a team. You say, did you have missionaries? Sure. We had missionaries. You say, well, who was doing it? Um, it was non-existent. You say, were the elders doing it? Well, uh, frankly, to the best they could, the elders that I'm serving with have global ministry, global businesses all over the globe. Every single one of you guys has eaten their fruit. They're big fruit growers. And they're elders, they're true elders. They love Christ, but to say they knew where our missionaries were, no. You say, were the other pastors doing it? No, there's only one other pastor. Okay. You say, maybe the congregation was leading the team. No, they weren't leading the team. They were waiting for the leaders to lead the team. Okay. 
So then the, I, I thought, how do we, how do we solve this problem? Okay. And then there were a number of things that we begin to do. And I wanted to just share this with you. Okay. Mark, you went through some of those items from Cuthbert, right? Was that his name? The only thing that I thought when you said Cuthbert is I was thinking of Anna Green Gables. I don't know why. I, I have seven kids, five girls. I've watched those eight times. That's why I knew that name. So we had to we had to make some changes. But, guys, I had to interact with that change. So I began to make some fundamental decisions there. Now, this isn't going to be rocket science for you, okay? And you know this. But number one, and I had to put this. It sounds so basic. But I preached, okay? I preached on the book of Jonah. Because I wanted our flock to have the heart of God for the world. And so it was in my mind that, listen, they won't get excited unless I'm excited. And they won't get excited unless they see God's heart for it. And so I begin to preach, and I preached on Jonah so that they would have God's heart for the world. And then as a pastor, you know what I wanted to do at that point? Then I wanted to go to Romans. And then I also wanted to go to the book of Ephesians. But I couldn't. So right now, I'm preaching through the Gospel of John. And for me, that had to be decided because I wanted our people to get Christology before I took them to the book of Romans. I want to get them there. But we're having a wonderful time in the Gospel of John. And I just got to that key part last week. And I know David, the session before, talked about this. I'm on the woman at the well when the Samaritans came back and said, Now we know indeed it's not because of the woman's testimony. For we have seen and heard and know that you are the Savior of the what? Of the world. And so then when you're, when you're in texts like that in Jonah, and when you're in texts like that week after week in the Gospel of John, you begin to ooze out on your people. So you think, what did you do at the beginning here? Well, number one, I just preached. And I frankly, and you guys would understand this, if you're really preaching the text, okay, you can't get around that, right? You know, it's funny for me to see Dr. MacArthur um, you know, up there today, and I took a picture of him. I happened to just sit right there in the front and took a picture of him. And, you know, I'm so thankful for him. You guys have to understand, I showed up at Grace Community Church in 1971 when he was 31. So I grew up with him, grew up with his family, and I just listened to the onslaught of truth week after week after week. You can't get around this. So when you think about building a church that has a heart for missions, and the role of the pastor in that, really, men, you just have to preach. Now, granted, I did, by my own admission and my own testimony, thought, no, I'm going to go after Jonah. And then I'm going to go after the Gospel of John. And so that's what I did. Listen, I just want to say this clearly to you. What the lead pastor preaches on and does often becomes the DNA of the church. So listen, when you ask, what do we do? Listen, what you're passionate about, they'll be passionate about. And what you preach on and have a heart for, that often becomes the DNA of the church. Therefore, if you prioritize missions as God does, then the church will. If you delegate this area of biblical theology, it will become a side note on your emphasis. And men, I'm just telling you, I had to repent of that. 
And I had to repent to make sure that I wasn't so busy that we couldn't grow in this. So I begin to preach on that, okay? And then secondly, I begin to put a class together. You say, that's kind of basic, Scott. I I know. You guys might be 10 years in front of me. But we put a class together. We brought all of our Sunday schools together and brought them in on God's heart for the world. And we did seven weeks on missions so that they would understand not only do they hear it in the pulpit, but now they begin to systematically hear it in a Sunday school. And I employed a number of different guys, a number of different strategies. We bought resources for them. We showed a PowerPoint for them. We brought all of our missionaries on video to them because I wanted to make sure that not only did they have God's heart, but they frankly knew our missionaries. You guys and I live with our missionaries, often in conversation and prayer. There's people right before um, I was uh, I was sitting there. This is in the fall. And somebody said, now, where's that guy serving? Our people sometimes don't even know. So I begin at that point to educate. And we kind of used a, a telescope in the class. And so we talked not only about local missions, but then obviously that telescope went out and it went out to the globe. And we had prayer. We had discussion. We bought Operation World. We, we bought them a lot of uh, resources. And then even one week I brought Mark Catlock in. Which, man, Mark, I just still hear reverberation on that. I brought Mark in, I should get this word out, on business as missions. And why that was so good is because I've got world-class businessmen in my church. And so often we're talking about TMAI, which is awesome, that's why we're here. But sometimes we forget the role of those businessmen that they have in terms of leadership and their own resources. And so we brought Mark in. That was one of the weeks on businesses, missions. And we just had a wonderful time, okay? But then, most strategically, I'm just trying to say this is what I did, okay? Then here was the key component. It was after the class that we started the missions team, okay? And what I did at that point is found, and you know, this is not full-orbed maturity here, but I found the hungriest men in our church that live and breathe missions, okay, that are passionate about it. And those guys are here today. And what we did is we started a missions team. And we meet every single month to discuss plan, strategize, and meet potential new missionaries, okay? So, Scott, it doesn't sound like that. Well, no, it's not. But I'm telling you, I'm in discussion now. I'm not just the pastor over on the side. I'm part of that committee. I'm part of that team. In fact, one guy, the, the guy who I have administratively run it, he, he was asking me early on when we first started to meet. He goes, are you, are you coming to the missions team meeting? I said, what are you talking about? It's my team. I'm going to be there. You know what I mean? And, I, and I'm not telling you that like braggadocious. I said, it's my team. How can I not be there? I have to be there if I'm going to share the heart that that heart goes to the people. And we share all of our ministry. We're having a great time. In fact, there's so much on the schedule every month. You say, well, is that elder meetings? No. We got a lot of other things on that. Now, I, we run that all by him. You say, is this your pastoral staff meeting? No. 
This is people who have a burning, living, breathing heart for global gospel. And I just brought those those guys together, and we started that. Then, thirdly, okay, I don't know if where are we, um, we begin um, to implement a plan. And again, this isn't, you know, so mature for all you. We We put a place and a plan in to go see our missionaries. We put a little schedule together. Listen, if you don't schedule it, it doesn't happen. And that schedule included me. And I can only tell you from joy this afternoon, it's been so fun. I am having more fun right now than I've ever had in 30 years of ministry. And part of that is it's linked to my joy. We're going we're, and we don't have a ton of missionaries, five, and they were in different places and because we're a new church, but we got five. And we begin to systematically begin to go see them. And listen, I'll tell you, men, if you want your heart to change, go see them. And then you'll find out how hard it is out there for them. And you'll find that what they weep over. And, and where they have very little resources. And so I begin to travel. And you say, well, how many? I've been out of the country twice this year and supposed to go a third time in May. Now, I realize not everybody can do that. But I'm telling you that, men, if, if this is the role of a senior pastor, you've got to get involved. You've got to bleed over this thing. You've got to hemorrhage over this thing. If you don't bleed, do you think your people will bleed? I mean, they got to see you hemorrhage on this thing, okay? And so then, at that point, you guys get it, we begin to communicate to our flock that we're going. And we tell them before we left, and then we'd come, and after we got back, so two weeks ago, and then I'm just being real honest with you, two weeks ago, I, I got my message in my Bible. You men know how that goes. I'm just fired up to preach. I don't know, somewhere in John, right? And... um and then I come in and I forgot, oh, we got the report when we went to Italy and to Albania. And I just said to our worship pastor, I said, hey, Blake, do we, do we really need to do this report? And I just tell you, that's honest to me. Because I get back and <laughs> I'm on the text. And I don't want anything to take away from the word. And honestly, we don't want to take away from worship. And boy, my, my worship pastor, Blake, just said, yeah, but Scott, they need to hear this. They need to share your heart. They need to hear what happened. They've been praying for you. And I had to remind myself right then and there again that you've got to come back and report to the people. And I wanted to do that. But this is what happens. You get caught up sometimes in what you're doing. And so we begin to do that. And then I begin to take people with me. And I don't, you guys do that. I took my, my, my uh, associate pastor. He's been there the whole eight years. He grew up in a pastor's home. It's all he's ever known is ministry. And he's been trained at different places. And I said, uh, David, I'm going to Malawi. Would you like to come? He goes, ah, his eyes lit up. He said, i like to come. And uh, I said, how many places have you been overseas? He said, I've never been overseas. I, I, I got a pastor on my staff who had never been overseas. 
And so I took him and I said, I'm not just taking, you're on the platform with me. So he shared the teaching with me, did a wonderful job. I just got back from Italy and Albania. I took one of our businessmen. He's here today, Peter, because he's an engineer and I just love his heart for missions. And he had so much good to help. And so you understand, I take both pastors. I take lay leaders with me. Okay. In addition to those trips, they provide doctrinal clarity. Listen, men, Mark was talking about that just a you know, a little bit ago, I looked a guy in the eyes, a guy in the eye that we're planning to bring on in Albania. And uh, I just looked him in the eye. I just wanted to know. I said, look at me. You know, it's like one of those ones. How do you do that? I don't know. Um, I said, I said, look at me. I said, our doctrinal statement, are you in complete agreement with it? Uh, and, I, and I said, just look at me and tell me. He said, Scott, I've read it thoroughly. And we've been walking with this guy. I'm in complete agreement with it. Because, Mark, when you were just saying that thing, you know how much disunity is caused when you're not on the same page. Watch this, man. Either biblically or even philosophically. They got to have the same philosophy. And so when you're going to visit, you're gaining perspective eyeball to eyeball on where these people are. So, men, let me just give you a few things, okay? I've already given you a few. Let me, what do you say? What can I take away from this today, okay? A a couple things. Number one, you just got to step up and lead, okay? And I, I, that just sounds a little cliche, but I I mean, maybe the Lord's bringing you to a watershed point or, uh, men, I guess I would plead with you. These guys need your involvement, okay? The, 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 the missionaries need your involvement. Your local church needs your involvement. Be careful of how much you delegate out because to me, this one's precious, don't you think? So listen, I just want to encourage you to be involved. You need to be upfront verbally. You need to be telling. You need to be talking about your missionaries. You need to do that monthly. Obviously, many of you are doing that. You need to cultivate this and pursue this, okay? I mean, I, I can tell you our purpose statement. We exist at GCV to glorify God by exalting the Savior, equipping the saints, and what? Extending the kingdom. So when I think about my role, how do I divorce this role that I have on a very important aspect of our church? Number one, so step up. Number two, can I just give you a word on titles? Okay. What is your title? This is just personal for me. What do they call you? Senior pastor? I always get that question. Do they they call you senior pastor? Do you go as lead pastor? Do you go as teaching pastor? Maybe if you subscribe to the John Piper philosophy, which everybody seems to be taking on now, he is... That kind of came off a little sarcastic, didn't it? It is. He takes that... It might be from his heart, preaching pastor and what? vision pastor. And ever since he said that, that's what everybody says on their blog now. They're a preaching pastor and a vision pastor. Here's my title, lead pastor and missions pastor. It's not on my title, but I tell people, call me that because I want to have that title. I want to have that title. I want to convince you to have that title. I'm not even sure what, what vision pastor means, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. Um, listen, every single week in your pulpit is vision, right? 
I mean, I don't, every week that you take the text, as we've been hearing from John Mack and from that other uh, Pastor David, listen, you're in the text, every week is a vision week, and much of it is actually linked to missions. Thirdly, let me just say this, you know this, if you're new at this, you've got to develop a biblical philosophy of missions. And listen, your input's needed there. We're currently working on this with our missions team, our elder board. It's available. We'll make today available to you on a link. Okay. Let me just say this. Number four, um, start a missions team. Maybe you should do that. Who's doing it right now? I mean, you could just be one pastor. I have a staff of five. Okay. So it might be easier for me. Bigger churches, it's easier. But if you're just one guy, listen, start a group because, listen, I could never do what we're doing at Grace Church without the guys that are here with me this afternoon. In fact, one guy, it's just he pushes everything to to decision point and to facilitating communication. But start a team, get involved. And listen, here's what I would say to you. You got to meet with a monthly. I might be a stickler on that. You can't do this every quarter. If you do every quarter, then it turns into every six months, then it turns into twice a year, and you'll, you'll dribble out there on, on your missions. Start meeting with them. So we put a schedule together, and we're doing that, reporting, obviously, to the elder board. So I said start a mission team or get involved. Um, I did write this in my notes. <laughs> and take this in the right spirit. You might have to hijack it back. Because... These things get hijacked and then, and then people begin to own it and you can't rip it out of their hands. And even though you're the lead pastor, you're not part of it. So I don't know. I mean, go back and get in trouble and then call me. Okay. But you may have to hijack it back. Okay. And I want to be clear that monthly meeting is not my weekly staff meeting, but my staff is integrally involved with our missionaries and I wrote, I wrote this down weekly. I mean, I'm not trying to exaggerate. I mean, Mark said it. we're on Skype with them and we're doing a bunch of stuff with them. But it's weekly that we're involved with them. And then you've got to communicate to them. You've heard that. Um, let me just say this, too, and I'm done here. You've got to care for them. Okay? You've got to care for them. And... And I mean you have to care for them. If you think the missions agency is doing that, I think you're wrong. They do care for them on some things. But they're generally not caring for them on doctrinal precision. Generalization, right? And they're usually not caring for them on ministry alignment. Okay? In fact, I wrote this down. This is a little edgy. Okay? But I said, I am blown away. Take this in the right spirit. Uh, I am blown away. And I'm telling you this. I'm blown away at the lack of accountability that most missionaries have on the field. I, I don't know, I'm bleeding with you a little bit. Okay? And what I mean by that is if, if one of my staff guys did something, hey, why would you say that? <laughs> hey, why would you do that? I see him every week. I live with him. They come over to my house. We eat dinner together. Uh, we fellowship together. I'm in relationship. I'm telling you, some of these missionaries have absolutely zero accountability, and I don't mean that wrong on their part, okay? 
And many of them lack clarity and they lack direction and they lack a precision in understanding their own gifting by terms of their strengths, weaknesses, self-awareness and ministry alignment. Now, listen, I mean, for the most of us, that would never happen at home. But I'll tell you, it happens at a tremendous fallout on the mission field. Mark, I still think I'm staggering at that financial number you gave. Uh, you know, the, the amount of money that goes into sending missionaries all over the globe contrasted to the lack of oversight has left many missionaries without a clear purpose and function. And I think I just say, men, you've got to be there to help them. They, they want your help. They, they, they want you to come alongside them. And I would say, don't let a mission agency do that. Now, some of them are good. Okay, I get it. Some of them are good. But listen, be careful that you don't give away the farm and lose the heartbeat of all that goes into something like this. Okay, so men, listen, I don't know where you are in this, but it's changes that I had to make in my own heart, areas that I had to repent. But I'm telling you, it's really fun, though. I'm really having a good time. I praise the Lord that I could go see these missionaries. I praise the Lord that I can set people up. Like the other day, uh, not not the other day, maybe um, a few months back, uh, one of our missionaries came into town, and uh, I set up a meeting with him with a couple of our men at our church. And uh, he he walked out with a gift that is going to allow him to do everything he wants at his training center. Because a man saw his heart for that particular training center and will probably build almost every building that he needs. I think we have a responsibility to match our missionaries up with our people. And um, guys, you have a a tremendous role. I have a tremendous role. Listen, um, you, you might not be able, you might not, want to do everything I'm doing. I get that. I'm just telling you my heart. But you got to interact. you got to be involved with this. Maybe you're a missions committee leader and you're thinking, um, uh, boy, I, I wish maybe my pastor had this heart. Well, listen, how often do you come alongside him? How often do you talk to the elders about him getting some freedom to go on a trip? How often do you let him know that he's needed and so forth? So you might have to work this from different angles, but, but I'm so fired up about what we're doing, aren't you? You know, I gotta tell you this. I was laughing. The other night I'm watching TV. I'm watching ESPN. Is it March Madness? March Madness? And I'm watching grown men cry. Because they got into the NCAA tournament. I mean, we're crying over guys putting a ball through a little hoop. And then I watched the, the retirement announcement of Peyton Manning. And he's talking about how he reveres football. Okay, I mean, we all know that Tom Brady's better. But listen, I, 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 I'm watching him weep. And I, I don't want to take away from this. But guys, you guys are involved in, in the greatest thing in all of the world. Amen. The opportunity to tell other people about the gospel of Jesus Christ and put those people in a local church where they're going to be trained and where they're going to share it. Listen, we, we've been given the greatest unfinished task 
that there ever is. And we've been called to one of the greatest things. Make sure you don't uh, give away your responsibility in that. Okay, let me let me pray. Would you bow your head and then we'll we'll move on. Father, thanks for our time today. Thanks for these men. Father, um, whatever's of you, Father, seal this to their heart. Thank you for the men. Thank you for the churches represented here. Father, I recognize that ours is just but one. And Father, we're a young church. We're just a church plant. But Father, I pray that you use these words, use this conference to give us a a great passion for the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we love. And we give you praise and thanks and all God's men said, Amen. amen.